Have you heard the good news? Tenlo has been acquired by Modop, an award-winning, full-service digital marketing and communications agency. That means B2B and B2C companies can take advantage of a wide range of marketing services. This includes brand strategy, relations, and a whole lot more. To learn all about Modop services, go to modop.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Leader Generation brought to you by Modop. Today, I am joined by Kevin Kreckler. He is Modop's Director of Client Engagement, and I'm your host, Tessa Berg. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to talk. Yeah, so you are my first Modop co-worker interview, which is kind That's, of exciting. That is, that is exciting. Yeah, and for everyone else, I am here in the Modop Cleveland office, and Kevin is in the Modop Dallas office. Yes. Today's topic, super pumped about. This is trending all over the place, but we're going to talk about why brand loyalty is so important now and the impact lots of factors are having on why customers are either staying or in many cases, leaving a brand. So to open up, Kevin, tell us what does brand loyalty mean and what does it mean to you? Sure. I mean, I think at its core, brand loyalty is uh, someone's connection with a brand that extends well beyond a uh, product or service. Let's call it an emotional connection. The phrase brand loyalty, I think, has become, shall we say, a little diluted over time because in our industry now, whenever you hear brand loyalty, you immediately think about it in terms of some kind of customer rewards program or, or some incentive that's intended to drive recurring transactions. However, I'd say that there's a very distinct difference in those two things, right? Brand loyalty, the way I think that we're going to talk about it today, is really about creating brand advocates, people who have a pure affinity for your brand versus just developing some kind of program that is just about supporting additional purchases. Yes, I agree. I actually spent five years at a startup where we created software for customer loyalty and brand loyalty programs. Mm -hmm. And there really are those two types, people who are very transactional and see the brand in a transactional way, and those who are emotionally attached to the brand. And it would take more to have them switch. So tell us, you're on the front lines with a lot of our clients. What are they talking about as it relates to customer attrition and customer mm -hmm. switching? What are they seeing? What are they worried about? It's an interesting question and an interesting topic that we have. You know, my primary responsibility at the agency is to connect it with uh, great new opportunities. And so we have lots of different types of conversations with folks of all different levels of their organizations. And then for the last better part of the last 15 years, been on the account strategy side. And so, right, have kind of put our heads together with our clients on this same topic. And I think that at its core, brand loyalty has always been tied to the overall experience that someone is having with the brand, right? So we talked about it from this emotional aspect. I do think that over the last few years, that while functional aspects have always been a factor of factors in people's loyalty to a brand, maybe they bubble to the surface even more, just given economic circumstances, the pandemic, things of that nature. So inflation and the pandemic has certainly had an impact on brand loyalty. And what have been some of the outputs of that plus Amazon that 
um, has really sort of changed the way people experience those fun functional aspects of a brand. Yeah, so this is, so that is interesting to me, not just as a professional, but also as a consumer, right? So when I think about the pandemic and now inflation as things that are testing people's brand loyalty, I think about what people were looking for in those times or are, are continuing to seek, right? In the heart of pandemic, whether you were a small business or a large established business, you were all going through some kind of challenge. And I do think that there was a point within the pandemic that people were on this search for normalcy. They just had enough. And in that quest for normalcy, they went back to the known established brands. Why? Because things you know give you a sense of comfort and expectation. And those are the kind of things that, beyond just your shopping behaviors, give you comfort in uncertain times. But you made the Amazon comment, and I balanced that with convenience and product availability and you know the expectation that I want this and I want it now. And so I think that there's this interesting dynamic of the tried and true versus these up and comers that perhaps are more flexible, that can be more nimble and can provide some of that value and reach consumer expectations uh, in a more quick way. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, our expectations as consumers has changed and we've always known that, you know, experience and personalization is really important to brand loyalty. And Amazon was given the opportunity in the pandemic to sort of showcase how they use tech to do that really, really well. I mean, absolutely. When I think of brands that are doing, or at least considering customer loyalty and how to cultivate that, uh, Amazon is front and center for so many reasons. Convenience. Right? There's so many sellers, there's availability of product, delivery, right? <laughs> if you want it now, you can basically get it now. Amazon has been so good at removing the friction from an online purchase from start to finish, whether that's something like a, a single button purchase or to honestly being able to return something just about anywhere. Like I'm pretty sure that if I threw an Amazon package you know, on the highway this morning, as a return, it would have gotten back to where it needed to. I mean, they make it, really, <laughs> they really make it that seamless. And then, right, those are all very functional things. But then I think they're also creating this emotional attachment when you look at things like, okay, now I've become a member and I get all these value ads, right? That makes me feel special. I get this subscription to Amazon Music, to Prime Video. I get some extra perks at Whole Foods, whatever it may be. So so functionally, they're addressing these priorities or the things that people care about when they're, they're considering their loyalty to a brand, and they just continue to deliver over it. I agree. I definitely take advantage of the perks at Whole Foods and have enjoyed saving money at a place that was historically expensive. Outside, though, of CPG and retail, are we seeing other industries impacted by change in consumer expectation or change in even our requirements as, you know, inflation is a reality? You know, in my experience, I think that the level of, of impact 
for a business or a consumer's perception on that particular brand as a result of these circumstances uh, certainly varies at scale, depending on the industry or the category that they're in. But one thing that I do believe is that whether you are a small business, um, a big brand, consumer-oriented, business-to-business-oriented, that you know, when you look at the factors that create loyalty, those factors are all pretty similar. And for me, I think for the there, there's so many different variables for, for the sake of this conversation. I think there's a few that, that come to mind for me. One is affordability, right? That's probably a, a factor that uh, stands the test of time. I think there is another factor in terms of product and service quality. You know, right? If you deliver on customer expectations, you put a high quality product in there, you, you have a service that makes them feel special and exceeds expectations. That certainly uh, will help. Uh, drive loyalty. And then, you know, I think the third one, just for, for again, for this conversation, I'm going to put delivery up there. And while I think that delivery has increasingly become more important over time in this digital age, it certainly has been accelerated over the last couple of years. I mentioned people's expectation for, for receiving things here and now. It's this on-demand culture. I used to think my kids were impatient just because they were little kids. And I was like, no, this is the world that they grow up in now. Like they just expect it. My four-year-old, if I think about how young she was when the pandemic started, all she knows are all these Amazon packages showing up, showing up to the house, right? Mom and dad need it. And here it is. So I think that those are some factors that regardless of the industry that you're in will always impact someone's loyalty to the brand. And I think also are probably the same list of factors as to why someone may abandon a brand. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point with delivery and how we've really become impatient. And one company that changed delivery entirely was Netflix. And now, you know, they had a boon in the pandemic. They lost a ton of subscribers this year and are putting measures in place to balance the business and regain customers. Uh, what are your thoughts on how they're going about that? And really what's most important for us as marketers, as we're looking to balance our business needs with continuing to meet these ever-increasing expectations on delivery and experience for our customers? I, I love Netflix. It's funny because now we probably have colleagues that don't even know Netflix from the time where, you know, is a mail order DVD uh, yeah. service, but they've certainly come a long way. And in many cases, they took off like a rocket ship. And so when businesses do that, and then they come across some challenges when they get to a certain scale, it's certainly understandable. Um, some of the business decisions that they're making are tough, but from what I've seen have been very well informed. If you talk about in the context of this discussion of brand loyalty, what can you do? It's talking to your customers, right? So talking to your describers and understanding uh, what's important to them. I think that the general Netflix user is, I want to give them some credit, but to a degree naive about the business challenges that they're having, right? They're not really going to consider those types of things until Netflix fails to deliver on their expectation or fails to deliver on some priority of theirs, right? So if right, wrong, or indifferent, if sharing your Netflix password is important to you, 
as soon as they snatch that away, that's going to alter your perception and perhaps your loyalty to the brand. At the same time, you may become frustrated that there's these tiers of membership now, but they're a business, right? And so they need to continue to look for ways to grow. And so if you are Netflix and you can open more doors to new subscribers because you have an, an ad-based model, to me, that's fine. And also, by the way, it's, it's a model that consumers expect these days, right? Mm-hmm. People subscribe to Hulu at different levels and they acknowledge that if they don't invest as much per month, they're going to have ads. And, and, and that's okay. And so I think that as Netflix goes through these challenging times, they've also made really good business decisions that if you look at the, the general market feedback on it has been relatively positive. And I think that if they continue to talk to their customers and really address what they care about most, they'll be okay. Let's also just recognize the high quality of original programming that they had. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole streaming conversation is a really interesting one, but I think that uh, original content is going to become a big X factor on who wins and, and who doesn't in the streaming market because there's just so many different options that are popping up for people to consider. And I think licensing and things like that, I think people are they're going to hold those closer to their vest. And so original content is going to be one of the biggest differentiators. But again, that's probably another discussion for another day. No, yeah, I'm super excited about the new Green Man movie coming out. And I, and I agree. And you hit on something that's so important that I think it's overlooked a lot, which is listening to your customers. And the reality is people's priorities and why they stick with brands have changed. And I am not sure brands are doing enough to really keep a pulse on how those priorities have changed and how important those factors now are to them as they're weighing affordability versus content versus quality. Um, What are some things brands can do to get closer to their customers? And for them, since they are, you know, getting pinched and needing to save on margin in an affordable way and, and still get the data they need to truly deliver in an authentic manner that's in line with customer expectation. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're talking about, say, large brands, right, they're already capturing the data. I think it's in the execution and in delivery, leveraging that data, and that's where challenges can come into place. To me, throughout my career, I've always been massively committed to to the customer voice. I've always followed that adage of what you have to say is interesting, what your customers have to say is everything. And so you need to regularly be soliciting their feedback. You have to, to me, position yourself, uh, message yourself, and, and really align your products and services to be able to evolve to their expectations and to their priorities over time. Outside of that, the other thing that I would say is something that's been talked a lot about in our industry is is just authenticity. Consumers are smart these days. And so they know when something's just a marketing message versus whether or not you really deliver on it. No, that's interesting you say that because we see that a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. people do have the data, but are you truly listening to it? And are you making decisions based on the data? I've been in more than one meeting where basically you have numbers. People are like, well, I just don't believe that. (laughs) You know, we mix this qualitative and quantitative data together and it gives us a clear story. It really is up to us 
as marketers and as business leaders to say, what am I going to do with this information? Absolutely. There was a, a quote from a CEO that I saw in my feed on LinkedIn recently. And uh, he said, not everything that is measurable is important. Mm-hmm. Not everything that is important is measurable. And I think that's... I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's also a really important sentiment when you have marketing leaders having to report back on the value of their programs to non-marketing leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there can be this disconnect on the specific objectives of what a particular channel or, or program is supposed to accomplish because it's, we're all adhered to or accountable for more sales. But the path to get there has different goals uh, that ladder up to them. Yeah. Have you seen any marketers or brands doing this really well, like doing a good job at knowing what to prioritize to really bring customers back or keep customers? I mean, obviously we talked about Amazon. I think that's an expected one. If you talk to other people like me, I'm sure if you looked at uh, research on brand loyalty, Amazon's going to be at the top. Um, another one that's probably widely recognized would be Apple for reasons that include they have this steady stream of product innovation that continues to uh, get people excited. I think that's where you get the emotional aspects of brand loyalty, the overall customer experience and, and their service level that they've created over time. When's the last time you walked by an empty Apple store? <laughs> yeah. They take customer experience to the next level. And then I also think that just with a brand like Apple, there's the element of cachet of being an Apple user. That's self-expressive, like what it says about me for, for using Apple. And I do think that for all the product innovation and customer experiences that we talk about, just the cool factor in, in a consumer wanting to associate themselves with that creates a sense of loyalty. And then I think the last one that, that I'd like to mention, just because it's a personal one, to me, a personal favorite of mine is, is the brand Patagonia. Oh, the yeah. fact that they have a passion for the outdoors does not make them unique, but how committed they are to the environment, they're in their apparel, right? One of the biggest producers of waste, uh, if not the largest producer of waste of, of any industry, that they will make decisions that benefit the environment, even if it's the expense of a business opportunity in front of them. I think that's really powerful. And you hit on those things where businesses are showing that they're in it, that they're in this environment, they're in the shared experience with their buyers. And at, in the Cleveland office, we focus a lot on B2B and I won't say any names because I did not ask for permission, but you, you triggered some thoughts of, you know, a couple of our business to business clients have built communities like lock communities where they are giving their sellers, their distributors, exclusive content, more exclusive deals, um, more support to sell their product. And under this banner of really focusing on what their need is in real time. So it, it translates, you know, us as humans have these higher expectations, but we also need to know that the businesses that we're doing business with or buying from are, are sort of in the shared experience with us. You're so right. And actually, I'm glad because I, I do feel like a lot of this conversation has been very, you know, kind of big brand consumer oriented. But, but I'm glad you brought up the business to business piece, because I would agree 
if things like affordability and product and, and service quality and, and delivery uh, are some of the factors that make people loyal to a brand, uh, the things that you talked about, I think, are in play with business to business that it's not just about having the lowest price product, right? But being able to have these other things that surround your experience with that B2B brand, whether it's like some high growth middle market company or, or a large enterprise that creates a level of, an, of attachment. I can think of plenty of, of B2B clients here out of the Dallas office and that they have insane loyalty with these audiences and therefore reasons that extend beyond the very functional, you know, procurement based. <laughs> elements. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So we're getting to the end. So I feel like we've hit on some great takeaways that people can do today. Mm-hmm. One, look at the data you already have from your customers and be honest with yourself on where are your buyers and customers prioritizing these more functional factors of brand loyalty right now. And what can we do as marketers to respond to that? I think you hit on another really important aspect, Kevin, of you know what is brand loyalty? It's transactional and emotional. And the more we move people into emotional, the more likely we are to keep them and to weather the storm of any ups and downs together. Yeah. So anything else that you think is important for marketers to take away from this conversation on brand and customer loyalty. I think I really, I I like your summary and appreciate it. You know, I've always thought about decision-making as a balance of the head and the heart. And and that's not limited to consumer environments either, right? Anyone who doesn't think that emotion is part of a a business to business uh, (laughs) decision is crazy because there's plenty of emotion that goes into those as, as well. I think that things that brands should be aware of or things to, for them to look out for, one, I'm going to say, and again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but things like sustainability, I mean, we probably all expected that to come up in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, I already referenced it through an example with Patagonia. But I think consumers want, maybe more importantly, expect brands to put a stake in the ground on where they stand with sustainability. And that's not just in terms of wedging in some marketing messaging on your website, throwing up a landing page that says you're doing this or that, but actively showing, right, the impact, the outcome of your commitment to sustainability. I think that's something that brands should continue to be on the lookout for. The other thing um, in terms of just kind of brand loyalty as a whole, and maybe I'm coming up with this based on my own uh shopping behaviors and my own uh, kind of experience with this brand these days is kind of the small company versus the big company, small brands, big brands. And the reason why I say that is that you have always had this, I think this affinity or desire by consumers to support smaller businesses. And that's not to say they're not shopping at the big ones, you know, uh, at all, or they're only going to shop at small exclusively. But I think that there are so many smaller companies that are creating disruption in a lot of different categories that have compelling brand stories, in many cases, are quite affordable. And because they're smaller, can be a bit more nimble than some of your larger 
brands. And again, maybe this is just a survey of one, right? In my <laughs> Instagram shopping experiences. But through social, I've been introduced to so many neat brands that fit my personality, that fit my, what I deem to be my consumer profile. I really want to see them succeed. And again, I think there's enough piece of the pie, <laughs> right? For your big brands and for these smaller brands to, to work in unison. But I do think that if you're a big brand, you're kind of looking at what those smaller up-and-comers are doing and seeing how you may modify some of the things that they're doing well into the things that obviously have already made you so successful and made you kind of this go-to brand for so many years. Yeah. And you hit on something I think is really important for big brands, um, both the B2B and B2C side to monitor, look out for, start taking action, which is as smaller companies are able to deliver those outcomes, are able to show authentically, hey, I am responding to sustainability. Hey, this is what I'm doing because I know climate change is important or whatever is important because that's part of the brand, right? Is our shared value with our customers. But I I agree there are smaller companies who show those outcomes better. And maybe the larger companies either need to start acting or just do a better job on showing the outcomes of that value alignment with their base, whatever that value alignment is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. It comes back to that authenticity again, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like, take all those factors and throw them aside. If you're authentic with your customer and you are delivering on the things they care about most, it seems really simple, right? Almost too simple because the execution of, of that idea is difficult. But reason seems to think that if you address the things that your customers care about most, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to win. Yeah. Well, Kevin, that's what makes our job fun because we get to do the execution piece of it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We're at time, but thank you so much for being our guest today. This was an awesome conversation. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? So they can uh, find me on LinkedIn or they can also find my uh, email address on uh, modop.com and they can reach out to me directly that way. Love to chat. One of my favorite things uh, about my job is that I get to talk to so many people uh, across so many different roles and so many different industries every day. And not to be corny, but for those listeners out there, I I hope to be able to speak with you too. (laughs) Yeah. So before we got on, we talked about your the spelling of your last name. So you can find Kevin on LinkedIn. It's Kevin Kreckler, K-R-E-K-E-L-E-R, or visit modop.com, M-O-D-O-P.com. Yeah, hit that contact page. If you want to hear more episodes from Leader Generation, visit the showcase page, Leader Generation Podcast on LinkedIn, or you can still go to tenlo.com. That migration project over to Modop will be happening soon. But (laughs) tenlo.com, click on podcast for all the episodes. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us. And uh, I will be talking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Never miss an episode of Leader Generation from Modop. Find us in all your favorite podcast venues.